Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men in Their Top Ten. I'm Scott. And I'm John. And if you'd like to check out our social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all with the same handle, at 2MAMTOP10. That's at the number 2MAMTOPTEN. If you would like to subscribe or follow our show, you can find us on Anchor and Spotify the easiest, uh, but we are also on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and most other places where you find podcasts. Please follow, rate, and review, and let us know what types of lists you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Full disclosure, our current to-do list is over 200, or 375 items long, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're all good ideas. So feel free to share with us uh, what you'd like to hear us talk about. What's your favorite genre of movie? What's your favorite year in movies? Who's your favorite actor or actress? Because believe us, there's nothing we won't talk about that's movie-related. And now let's get on with the show. Movie sequels have a bad reputation, and for good reason. As a rule, they are, pale, they are pale imitations of the original. What started off as at least a sliver of brilliance gets whittled down to its most basic elements. They're either recycled copies of the original or a barely related cash grab with merely a supporting character or minor plot connection to qualify for in-name only status. With the former, you'll usually find the same characters and story with connection uh, with just slight adjustments, sometimes with the only difference being a change of scenery or villain. The latter just wants to cash in on success with almost no effort. However, with every rule, there is always an exception. Movies that actually build upon their predecessor with further exploration of characters and or continuation of a story that only becomes more complex and interesting as it goes along. And that's just what we're going to talk about today. Movies like The Godfather Part 2, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and Shrek 2 would otherwise have very little in common, but they are just some of the few sequels that qualify for and may just turn up on one of our list today, along with many more. So get your sodas, grab your popcorn, and join us for John and Scott's movie chat, Top 10 Movie Sequels Better Than the Original, which I was wanting to be clever and call it number twos that are really number one, but since we have, you know, number threes and fours, and whatever, yeah. they quite work, but I, I thought that was kind of a funny, so I thought I'd share it anyway. <clears throat> but all right, let's uh, get started here with my number 10, uh, which is my newest um the newest title on this list. Um, it is No Time to Die, uh, which came out in 2021 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.4. Uh, it's got an 83% tomato meter and 88% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Carrie Johi Fukunaga. Uh, screenplay by Fukunaga, uh, Robert Wade, Neil Purvis, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, with a story by Fukunaga, uh, Robert Wade and Neil Purvis. Uh, stars Daniel Craig, Ana de Armas, Rami Malek, Leah Sidhu, Lashana Lynch, Ralph Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, Jeffrey Wright, Rory Kinnear, and Christoph Waltz. Uh, Bond has left active service and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. His peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help. The mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Um, so I'm a huge fan of James Bond. I love all the James Bond movies. Um, and um, I put this on the list because I really enjoy that for me, like um, that this this series of the Daniel Craig movies really are all one 
long story. All five films kind of are, are interconnected. Um, so whereas most Bond sequels are just a new mission, completely new, you know, new locations, new, you know, new everybody, sometimes even new Bonds. Um, so um, where this one is just, you know, um, these five movies were all kind of interconnecting, had had all this, you know, a lot of the same characters, um, you know, even some of the same villains. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons and, and it's, and, and this is just a, it's a great sequel. It's got a kind of, um, it, you know, in this, in this five series bond movies, you see the character develop and, and change in ways that was never explored in the series before. Cause like I said, it was always just a new, you know, another day in the light, you know, James Bond is the same James Bond, you know, like I said, it, if the same actor was portraying him, you know, all the Roger Moore movies are pretty much Roger Moore doing the same thing as bond all that, you know, um, where this, you know, the character actually kind of grows and becomes more complex and um so yeah um i really enjoy this have you seen this one i don't i don't not not this one not yet yeah it's definitely uh it's already on my list so i i wasn't when when it first um was it casino royale was his first one yeah I like the the news around the making of that one had me kind of feeling iffy about it because he couldn't he couldn't drive a stick he was blonde he um, got hurt and had to be delayed and yeah. all these things are happening you're like this stuff doesn't happen to James Bond you know yeah. and then it's not. I don't think it's one of the better ones. It may be maybe next to last for me, that what? initial one. Casino Royale, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's but, one of my favorites. But, but since then, I've I loved Daniel Craig as James Bond. Yeah. And seeing him, like you said, seeing him gain 007 status. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the same Q throughout, the same M for a while. And, you yeah. know, it's, um, he's not, I mean, I don't guess Sean Connery was very posh, but uh, the rest of them were, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. And Craig's not. Yeah. which is which is nice yeah he's, he's definitely my second favorite bond with sean connery being being my favorite but uh yeah both him and the and the movies uh kind of return to a more serious um you know uh feel to him you know taking the character serious um the you know the action in these movies you know because in the, the in the other movies it's always like you know james bond's gonna get out of it you know you know it's a lot more playful or in these like the you know the immediacy is real you know what i mean like you really feel like you know and, and it's and it's that way you know i mean in, i mean the his love interest dies at the end of this one and then the next movie is all about him having lost her and you know the, the whatever and so yeah it's just there's a there's a more immediacy to the that you know was yeah there's no, left out of the other ones you know there's no windsurfing a tidal wave <laughs> yeah not, yeah that, that yeah. kind of stuff isn't happening yeah or skiing down a hill while shooting and you know 
all that kind of nonsense. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I really like Casino Royale. I, I, I yeah, I, I was, cause I was weary about it too when it first came out, you know, cause I knew they were going to start over and he wasn't yet 007. And I'm like, that's not really, you know, like that's not really the bond I want to see. I like the fun, you know, whatever. But then when it came out, I was like, Oh yeah, this is serious stuff. This is okay. I like this. You know, I like, I the think out, out of all the ones that have come out that I've seen, I know there's one that is last, but it's it's not Casino Royale. I don't remember what it is. It might be Quantum of Solace, but yeah, that's my least favorite. I mean, that's that's the one that's you know the least acclaimed and that whatever. Like, I still like it. I still you know I like it mm-hmm. more than a lot of people. But yeah, it's, it's definitely my least favorite of the of the five Daniel Craig movies. Well, this is. <clears throat> Like I didn't know Jeffrey Wright came back, so that that's gives me something to look forward to, and knowing Christoph Waltz and Rami Malek are in it. Yeah, yeah, which Rami Malek is the is the main villain, and yeah, he's he's Ooh. creepy. Yeah, it's Ooh. just yeah, it's it's wow. uh, yeah, it's really good, and and yeah, and, and the way um, yeah, because this is this is Daniel Craig's last outing on it, and it really sends him off like with a finality that's never been explored in the in the series either. So it's it's interesting where they're going to go from here. And I'll you know I'd love to talk to you more about that once you've actually seen it. Um, but yeah, it's um, that's why this this is this is my second. I, I like I like Casino Royale is probably my favorite of all the Daniel Craig movies. Um, but this is this is my second favorite um, of them, and it's and it's just because it's a perfect bookend to I... that that movie so i think they should um get rupert grint ginger <laughs> James Bond? yeah yeah why yeah. not no I'm, yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it would be an issue either that or the doctor he's got to do one of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be yeah i could see that i mean it would be a different take and it would be yeah it would be interesting i would enjoy that it would be it would definitely be a you know kind of like daniel craig it would be a different you know a way for the series to keep being new and um, you know but um but yeah i wasn't gonna uh put a james bond movie on my list um but uh but since this didn't affect you know since there's so many other james bond movies to choose from um and like i said i just felt this this particular like i explained before fit into this um list so well i just didn't want to pass up the chance to to talk about this movie um so that's why it's on my list holy cow i'm i'm feeling kind of bad because i'm looking and my my oldest movie is 2004 so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mine's mine's i mean i've got a, quite a few new ones too i mean mine's a mixed bag i think i've got uh but, yeah I've, uh, I've got some older i've got quite a few older than that i think half of mine are before that and half of mine are after that so i've also left some off because we we also did um we we did another sequel one yeah well we did just we did part twos part twos um, yeah and then we did you know bad sequels so any anything that was on that part two i've left off there right yeah same same so which i honestly i actually uh kind of amended my list and i only have two number twos on my list 
uh, one of which you already know. Um, <clears throat> and then I have another one. Me, but, uh, me too. Yeah, I remember you saying that. So I mean, I, I didn't do only two on purpose. It just happened to be, you know, it just happened to work out that way. Um, but um, yeah, but yeah. <clears throat> but the the last thing I want to say about No Time to Die is actually, you know, Daniel Craig had planned on leaving the series after the last one, and he was very emphatic about it. Like, hey, you know, he hated the experience. It didn't well at the time he felt like he hated it because every time he got finished, these movies were a grueling, physically, mentally, you know, thing for him, and so. He just he didn't want to go through that ever again. Didn't want to do it, and um, the the script and the the you know the the chance to to leave the series the way this 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 movie allows you know it to go. He you know he felt like he wanted to go ahead and you know give it the one one last time, and so he went through the grueling um, mentally, physically you know grueling experience one last time to and, it, and you know it pays off because like I said, it's a perfect way for him to you know, leave the character and, and exit the series. And so I'm glad he did it. So, all right, that's all I got. All right. My number 10 is one of my two number twos. And the only reason I have two number twos is because there's only two movies in each <laughs> grouping. Um, but my number 10 is Sherlock Holmes A Game of Shadows a 7.5 on IMDb came out in 2011 a tomato meter of 59% with an audience score of 77% directed by Guy Ritchie based on characters created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle with screenplay written by Michelle Mulroney and Kieran Mulroney. Uh, the film stars Robert Downey Jr., Jude Law, Jared Harris, Numi Rapace, Stephen Fry, Kelly Riley, Rachel McAdams, and Eddie Marzen. With Dr. John Watson about to marry and in their partnership. A disconsolate Sherlock Holmes occupies his time investigating the schemes of his arch enemy, Professor James Moriarty. However, when Moriarty warns that he considers the Watsons a legitimate target for his retaliation against the detective, Holmes must save them and get John involved in one last case. To do so, they join the Roma lady, Madame. Uh, Simza Heron's quest to find her missing brother, Renee, who may be the key to defeating Morardi. Together, the trio find themselves involved in a dangerous international conspiracy led by the Napoleon of crime in which the fate of all of Europe hangs in the balance. Now, I, I like the first Sherlock Holmes. Um, I liked it even better upon the second viewing. I watched the first time I watched it in theaters, and at that point in time, um, I hadn't quit drinking yet and doing other things, so I 
may have well been inebriated in one way or another. And the the pacing of that movie, as I remember, is slower than Game of Shadows, I think. And because of that, I found myself nodding off in the theater. And plus, it's dark and all that other kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, but I especially like Game of Shadows because I think Professor Moriarty, J- Jerry Harris's character, is more of a match for Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I mean, he always, in the novels, I mean, that's his, yeah. that's basically he's he's the evil or the counter to, yeah, to Sherlock Holmes, like he's his main nemesis. And, and some of my favorite scenes are, like they showed in the first one where it shows him you know, it shows the slow-mo scenes where he's, mm-hmm. you know, going through what he's going to do. And, and this one, they show it with both of them doing that. Yeah. And showing how you know, on par they are with each other. So what do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, like, I like this movie as well. Um, I, honestly, I think I like them both the same, though. I mean, to me, they're both equally um, really good. I like them both quite a bit, um, and so that's why um, this I didn't really consider this for my list, just because it's while it is great, it's just to me it's it's more of an equal um, to the original. But I get what you're saying, and and I guess in a sense that I mean it is a better Sherlock Holmes movie in the sense that it it um, it does it does feel more like classic um, uh, with with Moriarty. It does feel you know more more on par with. Uh, with what I what I think of as you know as a typical Sherlock Holmes, um, and I do agree too that the uh, well I did like Mark Strong um, as the villain in the first one, and I did like the whole the plot of that of his character resurrecting from the dead, and I thought that was interesting. I I, I do think that, yeah like the scenes between um, Jared Harris who is all, who is great at his he's so menacing as mm-hmm. Moriarty uh, the scenes with him and um, and Robert Downey Jr. as, as Sherlock Holmes are are far better than anything in in the original between um mark strong and and robert downey jr so so yeah i I definitely see what you're saying so yeah there is a third uh sherlock holmes maybe it says directed by Dexter Fletcher, which I'm not sure who that is, but yeah. um, I wouldn't mind a third one. Oh, yeah, me neither. I, I mean, I love Robert Downey Jr. anyway, so I mean, really anything he does, I enjoy. But yeah, I, I like him in this in this role. And so, I mean, since he's done with Iron Man, this is really the only recurring character he has left to, you know to carry on with so because yeah. i imagine and I, I don't know this on fact but i imagine part of the reason he didn't return to this character is because after this iron you know his his involvement in the marvel series you know really picked up and he was pretty much iron man was in every you know from iron man 3 on like you know starting like well i guess really starting with civil war he was in really every you know entry other than the you know, garland guardians of the galaxy and stuff like that but <clears throat> Yeah, it says um, filming was supposed to take place at the end of 2016, but he couldn't because of Marvel. 
Yeah, I, I had a feeling. <clears throat> so yeah, hopefully, hopefully now they can get a script and get get back on it. Yeah. So that's all I've got. All right. All right. Well, my number nine is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, from 1989, uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.6, uh, with a 67% tomato meter and an 86% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik, uh, with a screenplay by John Hughes, uh, stars Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Juliette Lewis, Randy Quaid, Johnny Galecki, John Randolph, Diane Ladd, Doris Roberts, William Hickey, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, it's Christmas time and the Griswolds are preparing for a family seasonal celebration, but things never run smoothly for Clark, his wife Ellen, and their two kids. Clark's continual bad luck is worsened by his obnoxious family guests, but he manages to keep going knowing that his Christmas bonus is due soon. So, um, while, I, while I like the original Christmas Vacation, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, like some people are, um, I find it mildly amusing, but, um, honestly, this is really the only vacation movie that I, that I really thoroughly enjoy, um, and have re and returned to and watch, you know, and I, you know, obviously it's because it's Christmas, you know, I watch it pretty much every, every Christmas. Um, but, um, but yeah, and, and we've talked about Chevy Chase too. I'm not a huge Chevy Chase fan. Um, this is, this is probably my favorite um chevy chase movie i i like him in this character you know he's basically just being chevy chase and just kind of you know it, it suits him um you know whereas while i like fletch and some of the other movies he's in you know he, he just since he always is chevy chase it just you know like i can't it, i don't see him as anybody but chevy chase ever so i mean it's just it just doesn't work because like you know when he's being fletch it's just like i just see chevy chase when he's you know whatever so um anyways but yeah so i, I really enjoy this movie and um uh, you know, I, yeah, like I said, I, th I think Chevy Chase is actually really funny in this movie, um, as are, you know, a lot of the supporting characters. And there's a lot of, you know, classic scenes with the cat. And, you know, and of course, Randy Quaid is cousin Eddie, um, you know, pretty much steals the movie, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so. But uh, which, speaking of which, I guess the theme of the cat uh, was originally uh, wanted the, the studio wanted to cut the scene. Because they, you know, they didn't like it. They felt it was too extreme or too violent or whatever. But I guess the, upon test screenings, um, the the scene went over great with audiences, and you know they loved it. And it was, you know, one of the most talked about scenes in the movie. And so they they kept it in. Hmm. So, but yeah. What do, what do you think? Yeah, this is a pretty much a christmas staple yeah um it's hard to even if you don't want to watch it it's hard to not watch it somehow somewhere yeah it's one of the ones the last two years our company christmas party has been at work and this this movie's on <laughs> during that time nice along along with others of course but yeah yeah, I like um, – I 
I like Johnny Galecki as Rusty in yeah. this one. Yeah. And Juliet Lewis as Audrey. Yeah. I think one of the <laughs> one of the funnier things is um when they're sitting down to eat uh and Clark is like, hey kids, I saw on the news that Santa Claus da 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 and cousin Eddie's like, Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that's great. And it's definitely um the the one at wasn't the one after this Vegas. Yeah. It's definitely better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And European vacation, which was just horrible too. Like <laughs> I didn't, you know, but uh, yeah, like I said, I did, this is really the only one that I, you know, really enjoy and that would, would, that I watch again. Um, and it's also one of those that you could pretty much like, like every year, cause like you said, it's on TV every year and you can just turn it on if it, even if it's midway through or whatever, like it's one of those, you can just start watching it from anywhere and, you know, just get right into it and, you know, whatever. Cause it's basically just a series of gags, you know, so just, you know, you just kind of get in it and, you know, <laughs> So, and I laugh every time, like, even though I know, you know, everything that's going to happen is still one of those movies that still just, you know, <clears throat> makes me laugh. And <laughs> Yeah, and I always forget that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in it, too. Yeah. And I really like the, was he cleaning out the gutters or he's doing something in the yeah. ice? Yeah, comes yeah. out of the gutter and and it melts, so the evidence is gone. Yeah, yeah, it breaks the ghost <laughs> of the window, you know, the neighbor's window, which is Julia Lewis Dreyfus and her boyfriend. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. And I, oh, go ahead. Well, I just watched um, a movie. Um, about uh the national lampoon with uh will yeah forte yeah yeah and i if i had watched it sooner it probably would have been on a different list that we've already done yeah 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 i haven't seen it yet either i keep i forget yeah i need to watch that it's pretty good yeah i've heard, I've heard good things but um Chevy Chase is in the movie, but um, the guy from Community, uh, the tall, handsome guy, I forget his name. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. He plays Chevy Chase in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, isn't, isn't that movie on Netflix? It's, some, it's somewhere. Either um, Amazon or something. Yeah, I'll, either way, I'll, yeah, I'll find it. I, yeah, I'm... <clears throat> I really want to watch that. I forgot about that. But Maybe. I didn't I didn't realize John Hughes had written this one. Yeah, well, I guess actually it was um well he wrote he wrote the original vacation. Um and then they um because I get for National Lampoon, he had he had written because it the, the original vacation was based on an article or whatever that he wrote for National Lampoon magazine. Oh, okay. And then he also wrote a Christmas 
like thing for National Lampoon Vacation, and they chose they decided to make that into this. And so he, you know, he wrote a script based on that or whatever. But yeah, it's on Netflix. It's called A Futile you know. and Stupid Gesture. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably watch that. One of one of the next movies I watch. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Joel McHale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew who you were talking about. I just couldn't couldn't think of it. But but yeah, I almost left this off this list because obviously it's such an obvious Christmas um, you know, um, whatever, but I've got so many, you know, there's so many Christmas movies and I've got so many, you know, um, on that. And I just felt it better suited, you know, this list as I, I like, like I explained, I feel it's a much superior sequel. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's all I got. Well, my number nine is a, is more of a, like a blood relative sequel um uh 10 cloverfield lane yeah uh 7.2 on imdb came out in 2016 a tomato meter of 90 percent with an audience score of 79 percent directed by dan trachtenberg Screenplay written by Josh Campbell, Matt Struken, and Damien Chazelle. The film stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, John Goodman, John Gallagher Jr., Suzanne Cryer, and Bradley Cooper uh, is the voice of Ben, who is Mary Elizabeth Winstead's boyfriend on the phone. After getting in a car accident, Michelle awakens to find herself in a mysterious bunker with two men named Howard and Emmett. Howard offers her a pair of crutches to help her remain mobile with her leg injury sustained from the car crash and tells her to get good on those before leaving the bunker. She has been given the information that there has been an alien attack and the outside world is poisoned. However, Howard and Emmett's intentions soon become questionable, and Michelle is faced with a question. Is it better in here or out there? So there, there is another movie, Cloverfield, which is sort of a found footage movie, which isn't the, I, I, I liked it when I first saw it. But it's um, got that jarring, you know, sense, and it yeah. can be hard to watch for some people. And then there's a film called uh, Cloverfield Paradox, which I haven't seen, and I don't know if that's any good or not. But they're all related because they're, they're those creatures are right. in all of the movies. Yeah. Um. And this one, this normally isn't my type of movie because I'm not so much into 
what I thought it was going to be. Right. But I'm I'm glad I watched it because it it was really great and um yeah like this is I I think this is one of John Goodman's better performances yeah as a like the, I mean so at, in the movie you're like what is he gonna do to this chick and then yeah she does get away and. You're, he, he was right the whole time. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, this is another one of those I, I feel is equal to the original. I actually like uh, Cloverfield quite a bit. I like the, that found footage shakiness that to me adds. Like, I'm a sucker for that um, for some reason. Um, and, yeah, to me, it just – because I, I like – and, and also uh, – uh, um, I like TJ. Yeah. And I, and I like what you said about, uh, like, like, you know, what you said about this not being your type of movie. I agree. Um, it wasn't really my type either until I watched it. And, you know, like, I like that, um, that I like the, the fear of the creature rather than seeing the creature. So I like that, you know, that, that it's scarier to me to not see it and that buildup of suspense. And that's part of why I like the found footage movies too, because like, rather than, you know, just a straightforward, we see the, you know, we, we, it's more like, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling with the character we're feeling where, you know, we're feeling that intensity and like, what is it? And where, you know, where is it? And what, you know, what's going on and whatever. Um, so, but yeah, so yeah, it's, and especially in this movie. Yeah. Because the whole time, like, like you said, we, we don't know if, you know, if John Goodman is just crazy or if, you know, if it's true and you know, what's out there and what is going on and, you know, what's going to happen and what's, what's John Goodman going to do. And, you know, yeah, there's just so much, you know, just intensity. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And I, I have seen the, the, the paradox, the, the Cloverfield paradox, which a lot of people said it was horrible. I didn't think it was horrible. I mean, it's not, it's not nearly as good as the first two. Uh, I still enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad I watched it. It has uh, Chris O'Dowd from, um, mm. uh, bridesmaids and you know him like I, I really enjoy him and um i mean it's an interesting movie i, I enjoyed it I mean, it's, it's worth seeing it. it's a, it's on netflix um so yeah i mean it's definitely worth um you know checking out sometime when you know you want to watch something like that but um because it's like it's like set in space and i don't remember a whole lot about it but the main thing that was about like paradox, paradox is it was like during the super bowl there was a commercial like nobody knew that the movie existed. And then all of a sudden it was like, there was a commercial on, that said now available on Netflix, you know, the, you know, the, whatever, the Cloverfield, the third movie in the Cloverfield trilogy, you know, available now on Netflix at mid or midnight tonight or something like that. And so it just like, it was a surprising drop. And so I don't know, but. Well, I see uh, Donnell Logue is in and I really like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've talked about him. Yeah. I like him too. So, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's it's worth seeing. Like it's you know, if you if you don't have your expectations up super high and and you know and go in knowing that it's not as good as you know <laughs> whatever, it's like I said, it's it's worth seeing. It's you know. I yeah, I don't. I I've never based my my not opinion, but my wanting wanting to see a film oh, on yeah. whether or not someone else says it's bad or good yeah i'm like i want to see that you know Same. or yeah. i don't want to see that yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, there's there's some exceptions when like a movie is just like so yeah, you know, like bad old, you know, old boy or something. You gotta and it won't stop popping up on your old thing. <laughs> so you have to watch it. And then you have to call in sick to work the next day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Um but yeah so yeah i'm the same way but although sometimes if even if a movie is like so bad that just almost makes me want to watch it even more because i'm like how bad could this movie be and then i'm oh yeah okay that bad okay <laughs> yeah <sighs> that's all i've got on that one all right well my number eight is my is one of my number twos um and unlike you, it does have more than two, but this one just happens to be my favorite of them. Um, and it's uh, Toy Story 2, uh, which came out in 1999 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.9 uh, with 100% tomato meter and 87% audience score. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, it was directed by John Lasseter, Lee Unkrich, and Ash Brannon. Uh, with a screenplay by Andrew Stanton, Redo. Uh, Rita Paseo, Doug Chamberlain, uh, story by Stanton, John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, and Ash Brandon. Uh, stars the voices of Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Joan Cusack, Kelsey Grammer, Don Rickles, Jim Varney, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberg, Annie Potts, Wayne Knight, Lori Metcalf, and John Morris. Uh, while driving around Al's toy barn, the gang drives down the Buzz Lightyear aisle. Okay, actually, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this one. When Woody is stolen by a toy collector, Buzz and his friends set out on a rescue mission to save Woody before he becomes a museum toy property with his roundup gang, Jesse, Prospector, and Bullseye. And um, so, yeah, basically, the first movie was about the gang trying to rescue Buzz Lightyear after he gets um, kidnapped. Um, and this one, it's with the Buzz Lightyear leading the gang to go rescue Woody. Um, who has been taken by a toy collector um, and he completes a set of um, toys that this guy's collected of all this these roundup people and um, yeah well I enjoy all the Toy Story movies this one's just my favorite just um, I, I, I just like the story I enjoy the um, I think the movie has a, a better sense because it's, it's almost a remake in a sense of the original like I said um, I just I think it has a better sense of of that story and, and telling it and of course and and since Buzz and Woody are now friends there's more you know immediacy to that and you know that it's you know and the movie's really about friendship and um, you know and I like I like the 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 way it explores that you know toys are collected and you know but you know some people that are collected you know whatever and so, you know and then you know are they meant to be played with or you know put on a shelf and you know that kind of thing and um i don't know and i mean i i, I honestly like toy, i like toy story three and two they're both great movies um i think it was just at the time and, and of course and even you know being older when i saw toy story three was probably even better because of what it's about and everything and it does you know it does hit me in, in my heart when i watch it you know it's one of those that you know gets me in the feels but um just as far as overall experience i think i enjoy this one more i just like the uh 
the storyline. I like the jokes. I mean, there's a lot of like in jokes with Star Wars and even like Forrest Gump, you know, because Tom Hanks, whatever, and James Bond and Indiana Jones. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so. Oh, uh, here's an interesting thing that I, I found out, and I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently uh, there was some uh, sets of like the Ultimate Toy Box, which was like Toy Story 1 and 2 that uh, were released. And I guess at one point in to during Toy Story 2, a scene from High Fidelity with John Cusack and Jack Black, which is a Touchstone movie, which is also Disney owned. I guess there was a scene with the F word being said many times it just all of a sudden popped up so like there's like apparently like ki like kids who bought the it, it was a, ones that were shipped to costco so apparently whoever some people who like there was a thousand of them so a thousand copies of you know uh, families who bought their movie at costco all of a sudden their kids are sitting <laughs> down watching and they hear you know probably jack black you know saying the f word a bunch of times and then it just nonchalantly goes right back to toy story <laughs> like so I thought, huh. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, what, what are your thoughts on on the movie on, on Toy Story 2? Yeah, I there was a a point in time when uh, my daughter was a Toy Story freak and it it was the greatest thing ever because that allowed me to buy Toy Story toys. Yeah, same. Yeah. And I have the whole set or close to it. And it also I I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. Um oh yeah. Same. 50, 100, I don't know. Yeah. Um for a while it was every day. Uh, this one was was this was this the one that was deleted and then they had to scramble. Yes, yes, to... yes. Yeah. Lucky, luckily, somebody had taken home like one of the animators had taken home, um, uh, you know, had <clears throat> saved it to their home or, or something. Uh, uh, you know, an almost complete version, so they were able to, you know, work from that. And you know, they had to they had to go back and do redo some stuff, but yeah, most of it was saved. But yeah. <clears throat> This is this is the one I think. This isn't this this one's not my definitive favorite, but I I love it. But this is the one for me that springboarded all of that. Uh, Toy Story. Um, conspiracy theory stuff, <laughs> like. You know, Jesse comes along, and then now Andy's mom may have been the original owner of Jesse. Yeah. Because Andy has the hat that looks just like Jesse's hat mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. So if if anything, this movie deserves the credit for that. Like expanding all of all of the other stuff that makes this so special yeah well it also really started i mean it was only the third i think the third pixar movie but it was really the first great pixar movie. like the first toy story was good and i mean it was more it was more great mm -hmm. because it was the first digital you know all digital and stuff and so of course you know it, it's got issues especially watching it now you can tell you know 
that it was the first, you know, it's, it's got, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, that feel to it and stuff. Um, and then a bug's life, which was, it was okay. But again, like, uh, I think this is where this was the yeah. first great Pixar and pretty much everything after this has just been like Pixar could do no wrong. I mean, it is just, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was this one where they, they actually animated bloopers, bloopers at the yeah. end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, there's nothing better. If, if I'm watching a comedy, there's nothing better to end the movie than to see bloopers and oh, stuff yeah, like absolutely. that at the end. Yeah. And this, yeah, yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and that's probably, and, and another reason why it's on my list, because like I said, I mean, honestly, I could put Toy Story 3 here and it, it probably has a stronger emotional um, impact on me. But, um, but yeah, this, this is the one that really like, you know, like I, I really, you know, started, uh, you know, it really made Toy Story, you know, great and, and why there's a part three and, you know, and whatever. And also, like I said, you know, began Pixar's thing. So it just, it, it just has a stronger um, sentimental or whatever you want to call it in my, in my mind um, for this one than any of the other, you know, Toy Story movies. But, um, oh, and, and also speaking to, you know, you said your daughter. Yeah. My, my son, my oldest son loves Woody. Like he has several different, you know, he's got a stuffed animal Woody that he used to sleep with. And he's got, you know, the, the actual toy Woody and he's got a toy Buzz and, um, and all that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And Forky, he loves Forky. Um, yeah. <laughs> toy Story 4 is, is their favorite just because of Forky. Like they love, you know, watching that um, stuff, but they love all of them. You know, they watch. Yeah. I, there was a time there where that's all they watched was uh, they didn't really watch the first one a whole lot. Um, but two, three and four. Um, got watched quite a bit there for like about a year ago for like a month straight. Um, anytime I was, you know, around them, it was, you know, Toy Story, one of the, you know, one of them. So. Well, uh, and they, they each build on, on the last one in the sense where like in, in the first one, you see Andy playing and you see him playing out these scenarios. And then the second one begins with that scenario as if it's really happening and yeah and, and it goes on like yeah. that in the other one yeah 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 and that's another and, and that's a good point too I, I do like i like that yeah they tell the story of you know the, of the kid as well through the story you know because it's like about growing up and and through the toys you could yeah it really is almost the movies are really almost about andy in a way because it's you know it's about you know and that's probably why we connect and why the third one is so emotional is because of that you know that feeling of like andy's all grown up now and the toy you know the toys are no longer his. They don't, they don't hold the magic to him that they do. And so then, you know, they're transferred over to, you know, uh, they're, you know, they're, well, first they're given to the, the, the whatever the um, daycare place. And then eventually to uh, what's her name, the new, um, that girl, I can't remember the new girl's name, but <clears throat> I should, cause I've seen it so many times, but uh, anyway, but yeah, so yeah, there's a, there's a special brilliance in the in the Toy Story movies that that almost no other Pixar movie has, just because it's it's this over like you said, this is an over over arc that goes throughout the whole whole series um, that makes them so special. But and that new, have you seen the previews for that uh, the new Buzz or uh, the new uh, Lightyear um, movie? That's I've. I saw the first one that came out. I don't know if there's been more since. 
I think there's been a second one, but I'm not sure. It it plays I like every it's, movie. It's on like every movie at the movie theater. So no matter what movie I work, I see a preview oh, okay. for it. And I, I'm, I think there's been a new one since, but I yeah, I haven't stopped and actually watched it, so I can't tell. I mean, it's got a lot of the same, some of the same, or at least some of the same scenes. But uh, yeah, it look, it looks good. I like I like that they're exploring the the character of Lightyear, not not the toy, but the you know mm-hmm. the actual character of, of Buzz Lightyear and stuff. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, and that was that was good. In in Toy Story two is seeing you know that Woody's 50 60 years old yeah and that and all of that and you know the scene where where he's going hey I'm on a on a coke bottle or whatever he's doing that that was actually Tom Hanks in a room looking at these things that they made yeah yeah Toy Story's awesome yeah, which and that and that touches on another element that makes this movie particularly special to me. And I and I kind of touched on it, but but forgot and kind of lost my train of thought. But I like also that you know because he kind of has to choose between uh, it, it kind of has to do with like your family and whatever you know because in one sense he belongs with you know the Roundup group and so he has that moment of like choosing choosing between like staying with you know and deciding where he belongs. Does he belong with you know the the Roundup and and all them and staying with them or does he belong with andy and the toys that you know um you know so there's that extra level of you know that we can all relate to of like you know where do you belong and who you know and and, and family and you know because and especially as you grow up family changes you know it doesn't just mean blood you know you you, you know mm-hmm. uh, friends can become family and and stuff like that so there is that kind of <clears throat> extra level yeah like pixar is just brilliant they do that you know and like i said this is the first movie where they really kind of got a hold on that kind of you know, not just telling an entertaining story, but actually having meaning and, 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 you know, stuff, you know, behind it. Anyway, that's all. Oh, and this movie was included on a thousand movies you must see before you die. So there you go. Another one you've got it. Yep. (laughs) I actually got to write that down on one of these movies. (laughs) Nice. So it's coming up. I don't think it's this one, but it might be. I don't know. Uh, my number eight is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. A 7.9 on IMDb came out in 2004. Tomato meter of 90% with an audience score of 86%. Directed by Alfonso Curon, based on a novel by J.K. Rowling. With screenplay written by Steve Cloves. The film stars Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Gary Oldman, Timothy Spall, David Thewlis, and Alan Rickman. Uh, this was Michael Gambon's first film after replacing Richard Harris as Dumbledore. Uh, during production, all of the pockets in Tim Felton's robes were sewn shut. So he couldn't sneak food onto the set. Uh, in the film, the Dementors were based on Rowling's battle with depression. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, 
Harry Potter, Ron, and Hermione return to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry for their third year of study, where they delve into the mystery surrounding an escaped prisoner who poses a dangerous threat to the young wizard. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is my favorite Harry Potter movie because I haven't seen them all. I've pretty much watched them when they came out. Yeah, same. Um, I do know I really like this one because uh, it. this is where things turn turn a little darker. Yeah. You know, the first one, they're you know, the first and second one, they're little kids. You know, um, the first movie I saw was Chamber of Secrets, and I was in college, <laughs> and it was because of me just happening to see that on like Showtime or whatever it was. And yeah, I got back home, I was on a college trip for. Um, some something that had to do with college. I don't remember. Yeah. But I got home and I bought all of the books that were out up until then and then read them and then waited 15 months for each one to come out or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the first two are very good you know introduction to harry potter and there's sort of a playful um i don't know campy type feel to them i think uh this this one is where you you have this real thought that you know um I forgot his name. <laughs> Voldemort? No. Oh. Um, Daniel Radcliffe. Ser- Sirius Black. You're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. He's going. He's going to come kill Harry Potter. You know, and yeah, yeah. And and the Dementors too. Like that's the first time you see them in the movies. Yeah. And and the casting of Gary Oldman as Sirius Black is perfect because mm-hmm. yeah. It's Gary Oldman, so you, yeah, you're you're scared of him already. But you know, when you see the picture, you're you're yeah, you you assume that yeah, this guy's means business, and yeah. And uh, and I think I can't I can't remember, but I think this is kind of the first time you get the sense of that you know Harry's dad is kind of a jerk, you know, um, picking on Snape, or the group of friends are picking on Snape and. And that that reveal at the end is just so satisfying for yeah for what had for what you'd been through for yeah. the whole movie. And Scabbers turns out to be <laughs> yeah yeah the guy and all of that yeah yeah. 
What do you think? Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, it's it's probably one of my least favorite Harry Potter movies, but I mean, I think they're all great. I've I've one that I don't care for, and that's the Order of the Phoenix. I didn't like the book or the movie as well as as the other ones. Um, but um, but other than that, I mean, I, I think they're all great. So it's another one of those where you know, and I also didn't put this on my list because you know we we we'll, we plan on talking about you know yeah this at a later date. So um, so yeah, I won't go too much more into that, but um. But yeah, this, this, I like them all. I, I saw them all in the theater. Um, and I remember seeing the first one and just thinking it was such a great movie. Um, to me, it was like our generation's like Wizard of Oz. It was just like, I just, I, I loved it. It, it I, I hadn't read the books. I, I, I like you. I didn't, I didn't read the books until after this one, um, until after um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I read it in between this and Goblet of Fire. And I think at that time, only five had been released, uh, I believe. Um, and so anyway, um, but yeah, so then I read them all and then, you know, I really got into Harry Potter and um, whatever. And I, yeah, so like I said, that this, I didn't, I didn't quite like this one as, especially when I first saw it, I didn't, didn't like this one quite as much as the other two. But as I've rewatched it, I do have a stronger appreciation for it. Because like you said, uh, everything you said, I agree with. Um, it does take things in a more darker place. Like the first two were more just like their own kind of adventures, you know, their own kind of stories. And this is where it really gets into more of the, you know, the stuff that the whole series is about. It kind of leads more into the Voldemort stuff and the, you know, um, the legend and the darker stuff. And it does have more... Um, Kind of like we were talking about with the James Bond uh, movies, you know, it has more. Um, oh, what's the word? I can't think of it then either. The uh, immediacy or whatever, more, you know, uh, real life consequences. Like, you know, you really feel like bad things could happen. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I agree with you there. And I do, and I love, uh, like I said, Gary Oldman as Sirius Black. Um, like I said, that was just that was perfect casting. I mean. Um, because both in both in the sense of, you know, throughout the whole movie when you're dreading him and then when you find out, you know, he really wasn't, you know, then, you, you know, it, you know, you can see Gary, you know, he perfectly plays that well, too. You know, it's like so it's um, that's um, that's brilliant. So um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. For some reason, this one just dragged for me. I, I it's it's shorter than the other two. It's and then for some reason, it's still just um, kind of dragged along. But. Uh, but yeah, I still, like I said, they're all great. I, I love them all um, other than Order of the Phoenix, but which is still an okay movie, but the book, especially it's like the longest book in the series. And it's just like, I just don't, whatever. Well, I mean, we could probably talk more about that when we actually discuss uh, the Harry Potter movies, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's still, it's still a good choice. And I, I agree with you too, though. Like in, in the sense of picking it as a sequel, it does, you know, like I said, take the series where it's directed and, and kind of does a better job of that than the first two. So and visually it's I, I like it better i like afonso quaron he's just he, he, he's i don't know who his cinematographer is but his movies are always um beautiful he did like children of men and um, yeah whatever and yeah so his visually it's probably one of, one of my favorites and whatever and the fact that, that he did the one with the dementors and stuff is you know really because he really knows how to have that foreboding quality of, of just the way he you know, films things that just make it 10 times more creepy and whatever. So he was definitely the perfect director for this one. 
So, anyways. All right. Well, speaking of creepy, uh, my number seven um, is actually the, the seventh movie in, in the series, uh, which I didn't do that on purpose, but um, which is the, the, the highest number sequel on my list um, as far as being a part, part seven. Uh, but mine is uh, it's Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, which came out in 1994 uh, with an IMDb rating of 6.5. Uh, with an 80% tomato meter and a 66% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Wes Craven with a screenplay by Wes Craven. Uh, it stars Heather Langkamp, uh, Robert England, Miko Hughes, David Newsom, Wes Craven, John Saxon, Tracy Middendorf. And most of the characters are playing themselves. Um, like Heather Langenkamp plays Heather Langenkamp, Robert England plays Freddie, and Robert England, Wes Craven plays himself. Um, and uh, the plot involved, it's nearing the 10th anniversary of the film A Nightmare on Elm Street, and one of the stars, Heather Langenkamp, is being scared by a voice on a phone sounding very similar to the film's villain, Freddy Krueger. When Heather's husband is killed in a car accident and is discovered with slash marks on him, Heather starts to wonder something, especially when she discovers that Wes Craven is writing another nightmare film. Soon she realizes that Freddy has now entered the real world, and the only way to defeat him is to become Nancy Thompson once again. Um, so this movie is very meta before that was even a thing. Um, the, cause the movie it like Wes Craven is writing a script in the movie. He's writing the script for new nightmare and what he's writing in the script is stuff that's really happening to Heather Langenkamp. Um, and it, he's writing the script based on nightmares that he's having. And the movie is, it involves F Freddy Krueger actually, coming out into the real world um escaping the movie and actually you know and it's not it's not as cheesy as that sounds because he's not actually like coming out of the tv set or anything but he's actually like um you know just the character has is is, is is it basically represents evil itself um in a sense um and so and that's why i, like, I mean I, we've talked about this i'm not a big uh, slasher movie fan i like them more than you but i you know i like the nightmare on elm street movies i like the chucky movies i like you know uh i'm not a big fan of the uh of um of like friday the 13th and Halloween. i like I, I like the original halloween but other than that like i don't like just the slashing just for the sake of slashing i like the nightmare on elm street movies because they're creative they have a you know i like the idea of the dreams and like how the you know in each movie there's a different version of your you know each character's worst nightmare coming true and stuff and so i like that quality of the movies more than you know the the slasher part and whatever because i mean they're not scary uh but in that sense though this movie does bring back the you know because the first nightmare on Elm street was pretty creepy and the character of freddie just became more goofy and silly as it you know went on um whereas this kind of returns the character back to this terror you know uh creature of horror and whatever um and uh so and and Wes Craven really didn't like the you know the way the character Freddy was portrayed um, later on, um, and so they they wanted him for years to return to do this. He he actually wrote a script for the third one, uh, which some of the stuff that he wrote was kept in the third movie, but um, but they kept you know wanting him to do a sequel, and he kept refusing because he you know he didn't want any part in the, what the character had become, and so he said for years like if I'm going to do a sequel, I want to do you know, not necessarily this, like take, making it real world, but making Freddy scary again. 
and they just weren't interested at the time. Um, but after Freddy's dead, they didn't really know what else to do with the character, but they knew it was still a popular thing. And so they finally gave in and then Wes Craven went with this and it's kind of, he went on to, his next movie after this was scream, which was kind of similar in the sense that it's no annoying version of a scary movie where the characters actually know, you know, scary movies and they're aware that they're in a scary movie. And this movie is very much, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's the birth of that idea, uh, even though Wes Craven didn't write scream. Um, but it's kind of, similar um in that it's you know it, the characters are playing themselves and you know they're end up in an actual real world horror movie and so anyway i know i kind of rambled on but uh what are your what are your thoughts have you seen this i know you, you're not nope. a yeah big <laughs> you seen any of the nightmare on Elm street movies uh not not fully well no <laughs> i watched i've seen the new uh the with um the remake the remake yeah you know which that was okay i i mean i liked it yeah um i yeah i don't know i don't like um I don't know that like I don't know if it's unintentional but that that campy that comes in two three four you know yeah I don't know like a lot there's a lot of doing you know doing research for this list there's a lot of horror and slasher films that where a a movie further down is considered better than the original yeah and i'm like if you say so i don't <laughs> yeah but i i i would watch this one just because of the the idea of it yeah it is really cool like and that's why it's on my list like i mean there are there are other like because there are other well yeah there, this is the only one that could qualify on my list because i think it's better than the original none of the other sequels I, I do i like i said i enjoy them all except for this i didn't like the second one but um i like i said i enjoy them all like and they are campy i enjoy them for what they are though they're they're fun especially when i was a kid you know when when you know because these movies were coming out when i was you know 9 10 11 you know like when i was first starting you know hanging out with friends staying the night at house at other people's houses and you know we'd have you know we'd go rent you know two or three you know horror movies sometimes we'd rent three of the nightmare on elm street movies or we'd rent one of these and a chucky you know whatever you know just we just watch them and they were just fun you know and we'd joke and you know they were never scary or you know um so but yeah this one is a legit like good movie um so yeah i think i can recommend it to you even though you know you're not a fan of of the series or the genre too much like i think you'll you'll like this one it, it does have a i I like finding like I I need to go back to slashers so I can f finish my list. But I like finding um, off-center type movies. Yeah, you know something that kind of kind of like when we did. 80s action and i put in honey i shrunk the kids you yeah know, that that type of thing so yeah 
And that's not because I'm trying to do that. It's because I don't like slashers. So I'm trying right. to find find something that's interesting to me. Yeah. And I think and I think that'll make the the our conversation that much more interesting too, because mm. you know what I mean? Like um, you know, you'll have you'll have a different perspective and and you'll probably bring up movies that I, you know, kind of like with the you know, Honey I Shrunk the Kids that I wouldn't have even necessarily thought of um that don't occur to me. Um and so yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so, but yeah, and I would, I would recommend, you know, watching, watching this one. Like I said, I, I think you'll enjoy it. It's, it's, it's fun. Oh yeah. And, and, it, and it's legit kind of creepy too. I mean, it's, I wouldn't recommend watching it late at night in the dark, but. I've, the weird thing about Robert, oh, did I just close that? I just closed my list. <laughs> but Robert England, he's got a lot of like '90s Cinemax movies too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah well, he's, you know, he's just one of those actors that really like. Other than Freddy Krueger, you know, yeah, he just showed up in a bunch of just straight to cable horror movies or you know exploitation movies or whatever. You know, he's just one of those actors, kind of like kind of like Bruce Campbell, who just you know, mm -hmm. you know. He, he he embraces his you know cult movie or whatever his you know his what he is you know and just goes with it uh which i respect that you know um so which yeah i was speaking about and that's 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 another i, I liked the remake but to me it's it, freddy krueger is one of those characters that nobody else can play you know what i mean mm -hmm. you just can't you know like hey, well well i do think uh uh what's his name um earl uh james or whatever uh not james earl but um the, the guy from Watchmen that um yeah um that played him um I, I think he you know he did a good good job um and he was creepy uh but yeah but to me he's just you know it's just one of those things I can't you know I can't see anybody but Robert Englund in that in that character you know um you know it's it's kind of like the, with that uh, Han Solo that solo movie remake or whatever you know like it was okay but I mean I don't it, you know what I mean I just couldn't watch anybody but Harrison Ford be Han Solo I mean I just don't it's, I just I have no interest it just doesn't appeal to me that character to me is what it is because of Harrison Ford so it's I don't go you know I don't want to go see that movie to see the character I want to see you know what I mean so it's kind of the same with with you know with this character for me so <clears throat> anyway oh uh one other thing that the uh Robert Englund said that this is actually his favorite movie um of the Nightmare on Elm Street um, franchise and uh, the movie has no opening titles um, to blur the reality to so that, you know the the to blur the reality or the illusion of whether it's a film or you know so there's no it just goes right in and there's no sense of it being a movie with all the credits or anything like that it just starts with everything like it's like it's a true documentary type although it's not filmed like a documentary but it's you know like camera wise it's not filmed like a documentary but it's you know it's meant to like not start as a movie so to kind of whatever so i thought that was kind of cool mm. anyway that's all i got so yeah and i'd like to know what you think after you once you watch it one of these days yeah It might, it might be a little bit after yeah, the, I, I, after, I figured, yeah. after the last one yeah yeah no yeah i, I don't blame you <laughs> fair enough all right well my number seven 
we spoke about a little bit before. Um, it is Skyfall. Oh. 7.8 on IMDb. Came out in 2012. Has a tomato meter of 92%. An audience score of 86%. Directed by Sam Mendez. Based on characters created by Ian Fleming. With screenplay written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and John Logan. The film stars Daniel Craig, Judy Dench, Javier Bardem, uh, Ray Fiennes, Naomi Harris, Bernice uh, Maroli, Albert Finney, and Ben Winshaw. Uh, this won the Academy Awards for Best Original Song, which is Skyfall by Adele, and Best Sound Editing. And um, the song Skyfall also won a Golden Globe and a Grammy. Uh, this film uh, made over a billion dollars worldwide. James, uh, when James Bond's latest assignment goes gravely wrong and agents around the world are exposed, MI6 is attacked forcing M to relocate the agency. These events cause her authority and position to be challenged by Gareth Mallory, the new chairman of the Intelligence and Security Committee. With MI6 now compromised from both inside and out, M is left with one ally she can trust, Bond. 007 takes to the shadows, aided only by field agent Miss Eve Moneypenny, following a trail to the mysterious Tiago Rodriguez, a.k.a. Raul Silva, whose lethal and hidden motives have yet to reveal themselves. So this uh, is probably my favorite Daniel Craig Bond movie. Uh, it I don't know. It seems like <clears throat> like from the get they're on the train and there's a chase and he tells her to take the shot and she mm -hmm. takes the shot hits the wrong person. <laughs> and it's so it's so funny how he could he could have just stayed where he was. Mm -hmm. Could have retired, could have stayed on the island and not done any of what happened, uh, but he didn't. He came back and I don't know. There was a lot of, yeah, this is the one where Judy Dench dies, right? Yeah. And I mean, Harvey A. Bardem is, is is you know probably over the last 10 15 years one of the most menacing guys i've seen on film agreed in this and in um no country for old men no country for old men yeah 
and seeing like the one the one shot that I'll never forget is when he takes his mouthpiece out. I was just yeah, I was, I was and, that. yeah. Talk about haunting. That that scene has haunted me for years. Like that mm-hmm. that image is just yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think this shows a lot of his tenacity, a lot of James Bond's tenacity and willingness to keep going. So, yeah. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with yeah everything you said. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love this one too. This is right up there um, with uh, the other ones. I, yeah, I, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a great great movie. Um, I like it probably. I don't know. I mean, I like them all probably equally. Like I said, other than Quantum of Solace, um, out of the five, I think I like them all um, equally. Um, the you know, um, I think and- this one, this one, this one is slightly uh, probably better than um, Casino Royale for me in the sense uh, because of Javier Bardem as the villain, it does have a better villain. Um, and, and the fact that he's a former agent and just that whole story of, you know, questioning the agency and, you know, um, you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, is James Bond a hero or a villain, you know, because he's just, you know, just because who he kills is, you know, told to him by one person instead of another and, you know, and whatever. And yeah, just that whole, the whole morality, um, of the character and the, the whatever is, is put into question and, um yeah it's it is yeah really really good yeah and this is one of i think i i mean i really like the the theme song too yeah yeah and i think the only one i'm i don't know i might get in trouble for this i do like the one jack white did too Oh yeah, I did too with with him and uh, Alicia Keys actually for the Quantum yeah Dallas. yeah and a lot of people didn't like that for some reason but I don't yeah I don't know I either. thought it was great I I did too I, I liked it quite a bit I actually I I'll get in real trouble I think I liked it better than Skyfall a, a, a song like um but uh... and uh, Billie Eilish is is hers for the new movie. The 21. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's nothing. I mean, we're, of course, we're talking about Daniel Craig Bond song, Live and Let Die. That's probably the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's the, yeah, that's the standard. I mean, that's probably the, um, yeah that's the one that probably most people know and it's well and, and well, i mean live and let die is really the only song that lives kind of outside of the james bond universe too you know what i mean like you could play it and it and it's a good song you know whatever it doesn't you know a lot of the other ones sound specifically very james bondish you know like goldfinger or whatever you know like mm-hmm. or you know you you can't <laughs> yeah that one's only slightly over the top <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> only j- just a little gold finger <laughs> yeah but uh but anyways but yeah yeah that's 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 a good one i 
Yeah, I think you'll, I, I can't wait to hear what you think of the new one because um, I think, I think um, Rami Malek does a, a, a almost equal uh, creepy villain. Um, uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's quite equal. He's definitely not better than Javier Bardem, but he definitely has it's similar qualities, like in, in, in being a menacing villain that you actually, you know, actually like, you know, well, is, is legitimately. Well, the thing, I mean, Javier Bardem is, or has been known to be menacing. Rami Malek, for me, uh, is a goofy kid on a television show or, yeah. you know, something similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, the guy in Freddie the, Mercury. the King and um, the Night of Museum. Yeah, yeah. So him doing a 180 that's probably pretty great yeah it, it is it, it is yeah you'll you'll be you'll be surprised at how how effective and creepy he is like it's it's yeah all right well we may be stepping down a little bit in quality um from from james bond but uh, but this is a franchise that's almost kind of become a, so, well, I don't want to say that because I mean, you're going to think it's a different series, but anyway, I'm just going to go on. So my number six is actually uh fast and furious six, uh, which came out in 2013, uh, with an IMDB rating of 7.0, uh, with a 71% tomato meter and an 84% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Justin Lin, uh, with a screenplay by Chris Morgan. Uh, it stars Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Dwayne Johnson, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordan Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, uh, Song Kang, Gal Gadot, Ludacris, Luke Evans, Elsa Patsky, and Gina Carano. Uh, since Dom and Brian's Rio heist toppled the Kingpin's empire and left their crew with $100 million, our heroes have scattered across the globe but their inability to return home and living forever on the lamb have left their lives incomplete. Meanwhile, Hobbs has been tracking an organization of lethally skilled mercenary drivers across 12 countries whose mastermind is aided by a ruthless second in command revealed to be the love Dom thought was dead. Letty, uh, Letty, uh, the only way to stop the criminal outfit is to outmatch them at street level. So Hobbs asked Dom to assemble his elite team in London. Payment? Full pardons for all of them so they can return home and make their families whole again. So I am a huge fan of the very first Fast and Furious movie. Um, I, I went and saw it in the theater and I, I, I ended up seeing it several times in the theater. Just you know, really enjoyed it. Um, I like Paul Walker and um, Vin Diesel and I had a huge crush on Michelle Rodriguez. Um, and uh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm a Jordana person myself. Yeah, I mean, they're both, uh, I mean, if I had to pick between the two, I think I'd go with Michelle Rodriguez, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I would, I wouldn't do, be disappointed if I, if I ended up with Jordana Brewster either. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, um, or Jordan Brewster, but yeah, um, but yeah, so anyways, but yeah, and then this, the second one was, you know, it was okay, Um but uh, you know, Vin Diesel didn't return, and then of course, um, you got Tokyo Drift, which was barely 
it ended up they ended up tying it in later but um yeah i mean it was it was you know it was crap <laughs> um but then and then the fourth one they, they reunited vin <laughs> diesel and whatever and then the fifth one just you know the, the series was kind of dwindling um you know like it almost seemed like whatever and then all of a sudden fast five came out and you know just made ridiculous amounts of money and you know took the series in a very different direction um but yeah this one's probably my favorite um in the sense of like it, it just has everything that you know the series you know is it has become and does it well um i liked the complexity of the characters in this one that actually you know it's it's, it's surprising to say that in a fast and furious movie but the you know the fact that it, this is where it also starts to be ridiculous you know with the letty having amnesia kind of plot line um and she's kind of the villainish ish you know whatever and okay but um that that just jarred my memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's that's why it makes it the, my favorite. Um, and it has a lot of the cool stunts. Like the the fifth one was cool, but it did it it kind of like it didn't have really any car racing scenes. Like it had a chase scene at the end, but I mean, it really was. You know, this one returns more to, you know, on the streets and you know more car chases, more you know uh, of that kind of thing. And uh, and like I said, just the, the relationship between the characters of, you know, they're trying to return home. And, um, you know, to me, this was the perfect end for the series. Like this should have been the last one. I haven't really liked any of the ones since. Um, and the, the, the last one especially was just, just stupid. But um, I mean, yeah, there, have you seen the newest one? No. Uh, well, they they go to space. They actually go to space. I shit you not. What do you like, mean? Just, they drive a car in space. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, it's just it's it's gotten just over the top ridiculous. And it was it was it was never not ridiculous to start out with. But you know, I mean, this isn't a series that was ever really based in in too much reality. I mean, the first one was somewhat, um, you know, uh, you know, more realistic. Um, more set in the real world than any of them but but anyways um but yeah i i really enjoy I, i've liked the fast and furious movies up to this point like i said and this is probably my favorite um what, what are your thoughts yeah i think there there was a point in time where i had like all six of them on digital and i would watch them um This one, you saying that uh, <clears throat> you know Letty had amnesia, that that reminded me of the movie. I I know I've seen it. Yeah, but that's where you know up until they see her, everybody assumes she's dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then Dom probably says family, and then everybody remembers everything, <laughs> or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Dwayne Johnson is, or at this point in time, he was the guy that's like, let's throw him in there. Well, 
spice it up a bit. I mean, they tried that with GI Joe. Yeah. With this and probably somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I did the last one I saw was the spinoff. I went I went to theaters oh, to see Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, I really liked that one. And that I was, was pretty surprised. cool. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't think I'd I'd care for it, but I liked it quite a bit. I actually I saw it the same week as I saw Men in Black International. Oh and that one that one I was more excited for and that ended up being the crap movie and this ended up being like a really <laughs> really good you know Hobbs and Shaw ended up being a really good one so mm-hmm. that just goes to show you, you never know based on expectations and whatever you just never know but yeah, another reason why this one because the fifth one was the first one that had everybody together you had you know Tyrese Gibson from and Ludacris from the second one you had Han from the third one you know you had all the original you know all the original people all so you know that was the first one you know brought and then then added Dwayne Johnson um who was actually an adversary you know because he's the cop trying to right. catch them or whatever and, and like i said i really like that one too uh but this is the one where it they, they seem to more you know like that now that they've all you know that one was kind of introducing them and then kind of coming together and this one they're now they've been together they're all family as dom would put it family. um so you know and they're just there's i don't know it just you know you, and you do get that sense of family um in this movie that they're you know they're that you know that there's love there between them and like you know like i said dwayne johnson is now an ally and 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 the and the villain luke evans is as the bad guy in this um i mean he this is this is the only movie that it really does feel like we've you know we've talked about like but the immediacy like it actually does feel like you know he's like he could kill them you know what i mean like there is an immediacy and a real like you know uh terror or you know um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, <clears throat> menace, like to him, that uh, you know. So, <clears throat> um, and then you know, of course, Jason Statham shows up at the you know end credits to turn out to be Luke Evans' brother. But which I mean, Jason Statham oh. is a villain too, and and he ends up being the you know the main villain in the seventh one. But to me, I mean, Jason Statham's awesome. But like, I never you know like he's he's much better at Hobbs and Shaw playing the character like that than he was, you know, as the, you know, menacing guy. Like, Oh, I was just very confused because I'm looking at Luke Evans as Shaw and I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. He's, uh, man. And I forget that Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. Yeah. It's a goddess. She's she's in this. I forget she's in this. Yeah, yeah. I think she's in five and six. She dies in this one, but oh, that's too bad. Yeah, oh. yeah. But you can definitely understand why Han is is sad when she dies because the series just hasn't been the same since since she's left. <laughs> well, yeah, and Han's that's confusing too. Like. Like Han dies in Tokyo Drift, but yeah. guess what? That's the last movie in the thing, or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. It's... Well, and then and, well, that's another in Part Nine. He turns out not to have really been dead either. Like he's alive. Oh, and it's just like is he you used that already. It's like you used that already with Letty. You brought Letty back. Like I really. So then it's like 
so can any of these characters actually die or are we just gonna like kill them off and then bring them back in the later you know what i mean so that's just like it's got so ridiculous but i mean when you're at the ninth of any series i mean you're running out of it you got it you know like it's hard not to you know well and well and vin diesel didn't he like extend an olive branch to yeah to the rock Dwayne johnson and yeah like, and yeah what i'm whatever yeah he's <laughs> Yeah, I don't need your Fast and Five. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he yeah he wants to get him back for part ten, but yeah, he's done. Oh, is that it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, I'm not. Whatever. So part ten. Yeah, they're making a part ten. Yeah. It's time to go to Mars. I got yeah. I don't know what else they can do at this point, but. But yeah. I'm, it's been going on long enough. It's what, it was the first one, two thousand one. Yeah, twenty years. Where where are their kids? Are their kids driving cars anywhere? <laughs> I mean, yeah. they've got kids, don't they? Uh, you, the characters. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, which the kid shows up in. Um, but yeah, he's not. They're not. They, kids not that old because this this is where she has the baby like at the very beginning of this one um of part six is where uh jordan uh what's her name um mia um gives birth to jack or whatever and so yeah i think that's, I think way, kids... that's way too many movies for people not to be having kids <laughs> even on accident i mean yeah well, and Dom ended up having a kid with that in part eight. He's he's ended up having a kid with that whatever. And yeah, but anyway. So so Dom's got a baby out there somewhere too. And I don't know. Either way. Awesome. Yeah. They just they should just stop making them, but they keep making money. So as long as people keep paying to see them, they'll keep making them. I mean, it's not like Vin Diesel or many of the actors are, you know, have much else to do anyway. So, might as well. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'll go see. I've I've watched all of these in the theater as well, and I'll, I'll go see part ten when it comes to the theater. And I I don't I don't remember if I've seen seven, but or eight. Yeah, well, seven's the one that came out after Paul Walker died. It was the last one that he was in, and they used his brother in some of the. Yeah. yeah. I, really, I remember yeah. that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. That's really the best thing about the movie is the song and the way that they you know it ends with the you know character and again like that you know i feel like should ended it with this but if, you know they definitely should have ended it after paul walker you know and then with that but again it keeps making money so whatever <clears throat> but uh the one thing i will say about the fast and furious movies is i do like that they use practical effects and stunt work as opposed to cgi so that you know like when you're watching the car chases and stuff like you're seeing real cars and you're seeing real stuff happening and you can tell you know what i mean there's not a whole lot of heavy like cartoonish you know effects going on and so i, I do have to give the, the you know the movie's credit for that 
if nothing else. You know, it's not Transformers or, you know, stuff like that where it's just a bunch of CGI and whatnot. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, that's... that's. Jason Momoa's going to be in the tenth. Maybe um, the new the, the new rock. Let's <laughs> throw Jason Momoa in there, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, John Cena was in part nine, so yeah. So yeah, I mean it's just yeah, pretty much he's doing well somewhere else. He's he's doing just fine right now. Yeah. On a different movie <laughs> or yeah. TV show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, which I haven't watched that yet, but I need to. Me neither, but it looks good. Yeah, I, I I loved the the Suicide Squad, so yeah. But all right, what's your uh, number six? My number six is the Born Ultimatum. Oh, I, I get you. Yep, you mm. took my number three. 8.0 on IMDb. It came out in 2007. A tomato meter of 92% with an audience score of 91%. Directed by Paul Greengrass, based on a novel by Robert Ludlum, with screenplay written by Tony Gilroy, Scott Z. Burns, and George Nolfi. The film stars Matt Damon, Julia Stiles, David Strathern, Scott Glenn, Patty Considine, Edgar Ramirez, Albert Finney, Joan Allen, and Daniel Brühl. Uh, won the Academy Award for Best Film Editing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. Uh, was the only born film not only to win Academy Awards, but to even be nominated for Academy Awards. One of the 1,001 movies you must see before you die. Got one. Born is once again brought out of hiding, this time inadvertently by London-based reporter Simon Ross, who is trying to unveil Operation Blackbriar and upgrade to Project Treadstone in a series of newspaper columns. Bourne sets up a meeting with Ross and realizes instantly they're being scanned. Information from the reporter stirs a new set of memories, and Bourne must finally, ultimately, uncover his dark past whilst dodging the company's best efforts and trying to eradicate him. Yeah, so this is one of those. I I think I I'm I think it's not just you or me. I think this is pretty much seen as the best born film. Yeah, by the whole world. Uh, and in fact, there's a a a TikTok trend where you see someone doing a silly athletic thing, like they're doing a somersault, or they're doing something, then it flashes to um, David Strathern's character going, Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. (laughs) 
which is from this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say. I mean, there are a few actors that come before, like Clive Owen and and. Um, he was, I think he was in the first one as another one yep. of the assassins. And there's someone like that in the second one as well, which I can't remember right now, but yeah. Um, and this one, Patty Considine, he's um usually known for more of a comedic roles. Mm-hmm. Like he was in Hot Fuzz as one of the police officers and i don't know if he does it in this film but most of his films he has a a very good um facial imitation of robert de niro Mm -hmm. and if you watch a film that he's in that's like a comedy film you'll see him do that yeah just to do it um and if I remember right, this is also the one where we find out Jason's born Jason Bourne's real name. Yeah. And that he's from Webb City, Missouri. Uh he's uh from actually he's from uh, I think Nixon, Missouri. Nixon, Missouri. Yeah. Oh well. And being from Southwest Missouri, seeing that in a major film yeah. franchise you're like holy cow i've been there <laughs> yeah yeah so i guess you have some things to say about this one yeah i mean uh not much more than we've already said but yeah i mean I, yeah this was my number three um so yeah I, I yeah i agree this is the best um of the three i think i think the series this is one where the series kept getting better Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's mainly because of the what the story is. I mean, obviously, the whole point is to figure out what this character is, and this this is the movie that gives you that satisfying ending that every you know that the movie's all been leading up to. Um, so almost by default, uh, but also just in uh, again the immediacy of what's going on. Um, you know, this is the one that it, it feels like they're really closing in on him, and um, and because it's the last one, there's you know there's more unpredictability um you know because you know if you if you know that there's three of them going in if you're already aware that it's a book series and there's three of them you know obviously you know this character is going to be around for a two and a three you know when you're watching the first one and whatever um but with this one you you don't know how this is going to end you know what i mean you don't know you know there's so that it it, you know it kind of clears out any you know any sort of expectations or or, uh you know So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really good, and and the acting is great. You know, like I, I like Joan Allen, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, she's really good here, and um, and, and yeah, and David Strathairn as the the bad guy or whatever is the you know, like he's he he does a really good job. Yeah, I don't really think I have uh, anything to to add. I think you covered everything that I was planning on talking about. So, 
But yeah, that's a good one. Uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Well, thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men in Their Top Ten. Uh, please uh, rate, follow, subscribe. Let us know what you think about the picks we've just uh, given. And tell us what we missed, and we will talk with you later. See you next time. Thank you.